Welcome back, everybody. This is part two. Angelo and I are here with the fall line. This is Chaos and Company. I'm Dave Capron. This is Angelo Ross hanging out right up there in the corner. What's going on, buddy? I'm just enjoying talking to Pete. Ready to I am. Uh, yeah. I wish I'd kept writing questions. We had a part three. We just invite Pete back tomorrow night. We could keep talking, but uh, you know, we can't suck up all this time, but we are going to do some more tonight so that uh, we can send it out part two. And Pete, thanks for staying with us. And um, what we, what I'd like to do is, is kind of in two parts here, you know, talk a little bit about Pete Howard, the ski teacher, and then we'll do a part two kind of question more about Pete Howard, the examiner, because I think in a lot of ways, those blend. Um, in a lot of ways, they're separate. I mean, I think I've learned a lot from you on these that at times I have to blend those two together. And at times I have to really make sure that I'm in an examiner role or I'm in an educational role. And I want to start more with the educational one that I love to watch you coach because you, you just it, when people start to be able to do something or we might us idiots there at training are starting to catch on to something you're doing you can see that you 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 just go down that road you know you can see it it's just like i watch and you can know when they're not getting it when they're getting it like did that come all the time with you that you knew people were getting it or they weren't getting what you're doing how do, how do you see that um well uh you know over the years what you think you want them to get changes but i i i would say that um well part of why i like teaching a lot is that it's kind of like a lab experiment and it's kind of like christmas um you you, you never know quite how it's going to come out mm -hmm. and you know you open the present and see what you were given at lineup you know and that and that's that's a lot of fun and uh i uh, uh i guess uh you can't take the physical work out of learning so uh people have to put out at whatever level is possible um that doesn't mean you push people too hard but um you got to find that sweet spot there that's both engaging, challenging, a little bit of risk, but not too much. Uh, and then when you see the results of that, then you start to go, okay, so I saw a little bit of a change there. I'm getting excited now. Let's see if yeah. I can anchor that and go a little further. Yeah. And, and you have a little kind of think tank almost or a little little experiment pool that you have up there you skied with a group it's your it's either your saturday or sunday or both days your seasonal group that you have that you ski with like almost every you ski with them like every weekend right yeah every every saturday for either three or four hours for most of the winter and i've had some of the folks for for 15 years or so and uh they're great and some of them have become staff members over time and they go out west and they have fun at big mountains and uh yeah they're my they're my uh lab experiment because i'll often run my i do sunday morning training at sugarloaf and so on saturday i'll run those guys through it you know <laughs> and I, I mean that's actually that's not being very student-centered so i really probably shouldn't admit that but, but I, I because they're equally skilled to many of the members of our staff Maybe it is somewhat student-centered. 
Yeah. But but you you enjoy challenging us. I, I know because I mean at times I'll be I'll be watching you know from in your group, which I have been in the past, the training, and we'll be skiing a task, and then we'll get to a point like somewhere, and you'll just go, "Hey, let's try something different right now. Just just let's do this," and you'll just take a different task, and I'm kind of going. All right. Is he really having us do something different or is he got something in the wizardry? He's having us do this to bring it back. <laughs> well, uh, I'm not sure that you give me too much credit for, for, uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, uh, you got to do different things because, uh, if you do the same thing, nothing changes. Right. So, um, <laughs> There, you, all of us have to be facilitators of risk. Um, we have to push the envelope enough that it's interesting. Uh, if it's if it's and and murmur would uses the word failure. So you know, to a degree, you need a learning environment and a task that is difficult enough, but is still achievable. That it creates interest possible failure and over time probable success um and and so sometimes that means you have to completely abandon what task you thought you were doing based on the results you see and switch to something completely different yeah well and, and that's what's interesting because I, I know jeb has talked and he did on the the national I can't remember the title of it, but it's the webinar that they did. It's on our on the national site, the webinar on the new national standards. Uh, he did most of that with, and, and Dave Schuling was on it. It was kind of a kicking back and forth. They went through all the new national standards. And, and he spoke about not teaching a progression, but trying to start a teaching segment and then continue to work with what you see in front of you, which is what we hope our members do and get to that point. It's really hard for the level ones to do that, but at level two and three. And so this really works into that because those things, like you're saying that sometimes it's not working, you got to try something else. Or if they keep doing the same thing, what can I do to get them to do something different? Right. And, and you know, a, a long time ago, I, I guess it was at a level three exam. Joe Wood was our group leader and he made us do the opposite of everything and i really learned a lot from that um that was very interesting um yeah and, and these are uh, things no, that i know really oh sorry go ahead well what i what i was going to say was uh, uh see if i can remember this right um you know a, a rut you know when you get in a rut doing the same thing all the time a rut is just a coffin with the ends kicked out you're dying there. You got to do something different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Angelo, I love it, man. He comes up with these things. It's like it's like everybody out there now, when it gets chopped up on snow, we call it harbor chop. We got that from Pete Howard. <laughs> we go skiing powder. We all get a run or two, and then here in the east, everything's narrow, and now we're skiing harbor chop for the rest of the day. <laughs> But Angelo, I, Angelo gets into this and a lot. I mean, his educational background and Angelo loves to explore. I know from he's not a snowboarder. He snowboards, but he's not the big snowboarder. He's not one of our Red Staff snowboarders, but he takes that philosophy with his skateboarding and that loves to experiment. And he loves that you talked about in part one here in our other podcast with you. We just did that. He, he, he likes that, you know, when you were speaking about the sessioning 
like uh, they do in the summer. I mean, Angela does that. So he really enjoys that experimentation and doing just trying new things, huh, Angela? Well, we, yeah, I mean, that's how we learn too. Real, real similar to marching up the hill in the backyard and skiing down and maybe hitting a slick spot and ended up going into the neighbor's yard. We, we just did it on the ski hill, but uh, walking up and down the bump run because it was faster than taking the chair. And um, all of that is learning. You're, you're learning uh, all the time. It never stops. You're, you're learning. You're really learning how, how well your boots fit as you're walking back up that hill. Right, right. <laughs> if, that, if that's or the right not. size or not you're gonna you're gonna know it but but it it's that um it's like that complete effort you know that that really settles in as learning where sometimes we uh it's easy to get lazy on the ski hill because the chair you got a chair ride first of all you get to sit down half the time right and and then when you sit down on the chair, it's it, sometimes you talk about what you're doing, but a lot of times you talk about something else. So, you know, is is the wiring still occurring in your brain at some level? Probably, but is it a is it happening as much as if you're fully engaged in a physical activity, even if it's like unpleasant, you know? And I, and I think that's that's what a really good ski coach does is is um maximizes those moments that are right up against the edge of 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 failure you know not too failure but but kind of tickling that line a little bit and crossing it and coming back and crossing it and coming back you know that that's um that's powerful that's powerful stuff um i i did a i understudied pete a few years back i he probably doesn't even remember it was uh <laughs> I don't know. It was at some event, some premiere event. It was a uh, uh, difficult tasks in easy places. Oh yeah, yeah. and I just mm. it, it, and I'd love you to talk about that event for yeah. a minute, Pete, because I believe you wrote it. Like I think that was your idea, but it yes, you did. I was. It was a. It was a few years ago. It changed the way I thought about teaching skiing, like in a minute, and it, it was just terrific. So that was, uh, I guess, the start of. The event called um, Game Change Teaching, and uh, it's really uh, there were three things that that I felt in my career that got people to change their performance, and and one of them was to do difficult things in easy places, and another one was turn shapes. And the last one was opposites. And so the reason that these things work so well is because you can tell if you're doing it or not. Um, the difficult things in easy places like traversing across a very gentle green slope on the little toe edge of your uphill ski, you can tell if you touch your foot to the ground or not, or if you're if you're balanced, or if you can do that fairly easily, or if it's like a huge battle. And there's a reason why it, it works or doesn't. And the same with turn shapes. You can tell when by looking at the tracks and the snow and so forth, the shape of the turn that you make. Um, and then the opposite thing is obviously a, a pattern smashing thing. And that creates an awareness too. 
And so those three things are the the core of that game change teaching event. And and they're just they were, you know, it's a little selfish, but it's just based on the successes or not that I've had with customers over the years. And experience is wealth. <laughs> what it put me in mind of just right from the very beginning, Pete, when I when when I was with you for that event was um it's like a guitar player like playing scales. You know, I'm gonna play it this way for a while, then I'm gonna I'm gonna go from the heavy string to the light string. Now I'm gonna go up, I'm gonna go up the neck, I'm gonna go down the neck. And that's how that's how people get really good at playing the guitar, right? You just you just you gotta play it, but you play it a bunch of different ways. And that's what that's what you're doing. I think a lot of times these days, especially we're not people aren't playing the scales on their skis or riding up the chair, coming down the hill, making one turn shape, one turn size. And, and it's, it's almost mindless a lot of times. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, they say Michaela does drills all the time, you know, and, uh, the, whatever they are, the, 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 cha the challenges in easy places or the turn shapes or whatever those develop, I call it habits of accuracy. And, um, you know, if if uh, if you have those habits built into you, when you get in a troublesome place, they'll be with you. Um, we're biological computers. We have kind of a default setting. That's the place that we go when um, cognitive thought disappears, and we just go into sort of reflex and. Um, and that's when we're in our default setting. And if we practice habits of accuracy through lots of different kinds of challenges, those habits will be there when we need them. That doesn't sound like you want everybody to look exactly identical when they come down the hill. Like that, what I'm getting at, that's the opposite message of what we talked about in the in the previous episode where folks assume PSIA wants them all to look the same. You're you're just you're talking about you're talking about athleticism wired in so deeply you can't help but be athletic. You know that and the fundamentals are present. Right. You now when you when you need to stand in the middle of your feet, when you need to change from foot to foot, um, I mean it's like Sean Smith used to say about skills, you need to be able to have a positive selective effect on any of the skills on either leg at any point in the turn. And uh, yeah, but, and, you know, what you say about athleticism is, is certainly true. Uh, that Dave Merriam was my uh, role model in that regard. He, he showed me that, that um, being athletic is that's what the sport's about in a lot of ways. Yeah. So when you go from um, being a ski teacher to a ski trainer in terms of like going from the general public or just giving someone some feedback on their skiing to what we think of as training and training pros and, and for them to go out or to train trainers to go work with staff. Do you have to change mode a lot, Pete, or is it you take those same ski teaching philosophies into being that ski trainer? Um, I would say that I take the same philosophies with me. Um, 
I may have a more, a less student-centered goal and a more um, <laughs> school-centered goal, in a sense. You know, our, um, our, all of us have seasons in a, in a way when you, you've got your pre-season before Christmas and then you've got your kind of downtime after Christmas and in January and then you've got your February vacation and people are firing up for certification and things like that. And so there is sort of a flow and change that goes on. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, you want people to be excited about it. You want them to remember what they're doing out there and, uh, and you want them to have enough things to do with uh, the customers so that, uh, you know, everything goes well before Christmas. And particularly if you have a new hired staff, you know, there's a certain amount of information and training that that they need to have. And then as the season goes on, it's it's a challenge in a way to keep it inspirational when you have people that have been there 10 or 15 years. Um, so you have to think creatively uh, about that. And, and you need a staff that you can rotate because people don't want to hear the same the same person all the time. And uh, so if you have a staff of five or six or eight people and you have meetings now and then so you can keep a good focus going, it works out great. So um, there has to be quite a few people you've worked with that are on staff. You know, I'm, I'm thinking more on members and staff members that are going for certification. Um, you, you've got to be pretty proud of how many people have had success that you've worked with. For sure. That's, that's, uh, it's always fun when somebody comes back and gives you a big hug and, and I get to write their name on the chalkboard in the locker room and <laughs> stuff like that. So that, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I, um, I think it's, it, it's, uh, as long as somebody's prepared themselves, whether they're um, maintain their current status or or <laughs> move up in their certification level, that's fine because it's really just about about the education of it all. And uh, um, so, you know, as long as people try wholeheartedly, give it a try. That's yeah. great. That's all you can ask. Yeah, it, it's to me. It's it's. I've seen you have that same reaction when you've seen somebody be successful. We've been in enough exams together, scoring, and um, that I've seen some people you know that have been coming through from Sugarloaf or from other places. You've seen work really hard, and uh, I know Chris Erickson gets on me because I I tend not to wear my pin on anything, and it's it's not a reason if I don't like my pin or that I. I mean, I, I you, you both know, and I think every listener here knows that I do love the experience I've had with PS. SIA, but it, it's more watching other people I get to work with reach those goals and they had to do it, but just helping them along the way, the gratitude they have to me, that is so awesome. And I've seen you smile when you've had some folks like, I mean, we just had a few people make last year, we were calling it ETS, you know, made it to examiner um, from Sugarloaf. I mean, you had some pretty big smiles. And when Troy Walsh made the national team, you had a pretty big smile. Yeah, yes, I did for sure. And, uh, you know, those things are well deserved. I, uh, um, you know, I, one of the things I think that a lot of the membership doesn't realize, or maybe they do, but 
most of us at one time or another had some setbacks, maybe one, maybe three. (laughs) uh, We know what it feels like when, you know, you're with your peers and for one reason or another, it didn't come together for you. And, uh, you know, I felt that at the time I went to the national team tryout. And I know that Troy had a couple tries at it and, and, and most everybody has that. And so it's, uh, it's great when somebody's successful for sure. we understand we know what it feels like definitely know what it feels like i've been there angela's been there we've all been there been there very few people go through and don't get a knock somewhere it's i remember peter holland who i miss so much peter holland what a great guy and um as we come into each season now that he's not around it's like that passion he had for skiing but peter holland i know was at one of our ed staff trainings um when he was on the board and he asked that question. The question came up, or somebody had asked him. It was during one of our training sessions, and everybody had to stand up that had got a ding or didn't pass one of the certification exams or a tryout. And Peter Holland was floored that like almost every single person, every single examiner stood up because all of us had got hit at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> and as you say, some of us many times, which is like, God, why do I have to be that person? But I was one of them. Um, yeah, got hit hard. <laughs> it's a hard hit. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, man. So which do you enjoy more, Pete? Um, do you enjoy more um, being that ski teacher and just teaching a lesson or the training? Like, like, is one mean more? Are they different? The same? Um, I, I really like... And unfortunately, it's the the adult group lesson is sort of my favorite lesson. And unfortunately, they seem to be kind of going away. So I guess I would say that uh, adult privates would be my favorite. But what I really like about it is so there's very seldom have people explained and shown skiing to some of the customers I have in a real accurate way and so it's it's really nice when i can do that and they can come away with a big a big wow factor like wow i i I really feel a change i like that um i like training staff and i like working with psia members for sure i feel i feel a little more responsibility and it makes me a little nervous because you know my customer i i may see him again and maybe not um, <laughs> but whereas uh you know with psia and my training staff or the staff i'm with i'm going to see them again for sure and so you know i i feel extra responsibility that it comes out well yeah and that responsibility definitely moves into our exams in terms of now their assessments but i, I like to kind of put because history has we you and i have done a lot of exams we're now starting to do assessments as of last year. Um, and that responsibility I've seen since the beginning, man, I, I, we didn't have, when I first came on the, the ed staff for Alpine, I don't think we had a coach per se. We didn't have a listed coach like we did when Jeb took the examiner coach role, then Matt and now Sue, but I definitely looked to many, but definitely you were kind of almost like that. When I came to exams, you were the coach. And, and there was definitely yeah. a responsibility that you made known, I felt. I mean, I thought it was pretty clear to me that we had a huge responsibility when we took that role of scoring. 
Yeah, well, I, I agree. And I, I should credit Pete Palmer with a guy that I looked up to who uh, spent a lot of time sort of as a chief examiner, a guy that ran a lot of events. And, uh, you know, he, he was very influential to me. And I, I thank the guy a lot for all he's done for me. I, I guess, uh, you know, the responsibility of it. I mean, it, when we get together as a team, maybe the members don't all know this, but we have, you know, a, a meeting prior to the exams that we do. And we talk about what we think the conditions are going to be and and the tasks that we're going to do and where we're going to do them and and how we're going to talk about it and so forth and to a degree this has been made easier by our by our new process so that the you know the words that we use and the things that we ask and the uh scoring that we do is more similar but we always strove for that uh in our exam meetings before beforehand and uh yeah yeah so and and um how do you you how do you because i know i do i i look at teaching that in the when i'm coaching somebody i'm assessing i might not be putting an actual score on it but i'm assessing their movements to see are they doing what i'm asking them to do and what are the fundamentals which fundamental are they struggling with um how much of your coaching for you comes into in your mind into when you're scoring folks at an exam like is it super easy to just separate the two do they blend together for you well there's i'm not exactly sure what you're asking me dave well, but there certainly are times that uh that i'd love to say hey time out i want to <laughs> help you all with this yeah uh, but you, you can't do that at an exam. Um, I don't know if that's what you. Well, what yeah, a little meant. bit. I mean, yeah, a little bit. Cause it's, there's like a switch we have to pull that like, I mean, I've been with you. I know personally in an exam, I don't know if I might've been when we were under, I was understudying then also when we've been scoring in the pairs that I just want to tell somebody something, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that that yeah. coach comes out into me. Like if I just told them this and had them try this, I bet you they could do that. And, and we can't do that, but I still turn on that coach's thing in my head to be able to, to look at what they're doing and then try to figure out, is it because of what I, the task or what we've said to do? So it's really neat in the new assessments that we're doing now that we can vary the task. Where in the past, we didn't vary the task as much. So it's almost like I'm not coaching, but when we as a pair change the task to say, we're going to ski this one slower. Or we're going to ski open parallel now with a little more edge. Then we'll ski with a little less edge. I can see the difference and find out if it was something in the interpretation they didn't get. So that, that's where I'm getting at. It's like, do you feel like you can add those nuances from your coaching in some of our exams and assessments? I, I think that that's certainly possible. Um, I think it's more possible now than, than it was. Um, I, you know, I, I think that um, being able to ask to do the same task, but with different skill blends, different speeds, um, that shows um, a nimbleness and an agility that is telltale of are the fundamentals owned. And if if you can't vary things, then you got to wonder, 
okay, why is that? And and it's, you know, the body performance needs to change to, to change the ski performance on the snow, you know, having the uh, variability to, to, in a sense, fly your body in different ways um, is the hallmark of a skier who has touch and timing and, and ownership of fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. A skillful skier, as Matt Boyd likes to say, be a skillful skier. <laughs> oh, Angela's shaking his head. He's thinking. I know. I can tell when he's thinking. Well, and that, that doesn't mean you, you have to go fast or anything. In yeah. fact, it's quite the opposite. Can you can yeah. you be a skillful skier slowly right. and bump? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how many times I've heard Mr. Shostak go, slow down. I'm not even gonna watch you if you ski that fast. You're just a garbage truck out of control. <laughs> Pete, what's your um typical ski day? What's your what's your warm-up process? That and that doesn't necessarily start on the hill. Like if you have a if something you start at home or on the way up to the hill or whatever, what what do you do? Um Usually, so our parking lots are downhill aways, and so we walk up through three or four parking lots to get to the ski area. Um, I would say that I I try to stretch quite a lot, um, either the night before or the next morning, depending on how I'm feeling. And uh, you know, I I usually try to take an easy run at first, uh, or easy for me, um, and. Uh, and, and build up the intensity from there. Uh, I usually don't ski past two thirty, if possible, because it's dark. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <I can't see. laughs> um, so uh, the only time I like to ski past two thirty is if it's still snowing and everybody else is tired and gone in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, not, that's bad. not bad. So he's being pretty quiet on his prep too. You know, you asked him just to prep for his day, but you prep pretty good for the ski season. You, I mean, you're up and down ladders and, and you're carrying bricks and doing the mason thing. So you're you're working hard, but well, my, you make yeah. sure you get ready for ski season, even when you're not doing just mason work. Right. So my my sort of theory is shock therapy. And what I mean by that is is shocking my body. So like, and it's just me, the way I, my body works is if I just bike ride all the time, um, it's like my body gets used to it. And so what I do is I'll, I'll go for a mountain bike ride one day and then maybe the next day I'll put on a wetsuit and scrub the bottom of my boat. And then maybe the next day I'll climb up a ladder and build a staging on top of a roof. And then I have a, you know, I usually go bike riding quite a bit. Sometimes it'll be the mountain bike if it's wet or gravelly or dirty or it's cold. And then sometimes it's a road bike. I also have one of those skiers edge machines in the garage. And so I, I use that when it's like it is now November, damp, cold, dark. Just go out in the garage and bounce around for 15 minutes. I have a, a solar flex machine in the back room with big rubber washers on it and pull on that now and then um so and then and then some stretching and i got a pull up bar out in the hall so i just i just try to find ways that you, you know I, I tell people about exercise equipment 
um, you just got to use it. And, and that equipment may just be your body and gravity, your body and gravity, mm -hmm. but you just got to use it. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see all that stuff on the side of the road for free because people yeah. don't use it. Hello, Angela, before you go, have you heard Pete? Pete has said this one. I said all the time on the hill. It's, Pete has said, at some point to be a skier, you must participate. <laughs> <laughs> He says it better than that, but it's like, this is a sport. And at some point, you must participate. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, um, it's like a cake. You get out of it what you put into it, you know? And, uh, yeah. So, Pete, I, I have a I have a really solid training staff at my home hill. And I and I um, challenged them yesterday at our first meeting of the of the season that when they um, when they hear someone say the fundamentals, I've challenged them to always say which ones, because now we're now we're working with at least three sets. You know, we've got technical fundamentals which we've been working with for a decade, right? And it so it makes a lot of sense why our brains go to the technical fundamentals when we say the fundamentals, but how do you prep for the other ones like you because i i know you to be a very conscientious person had the pleasure of rooming with you at two national academies and watching you operate when you're the student which is which is awesome to see but so when you when you consider now the people skills fundamentals and the teaching fundamentals where where where's your head with that in terms of you getting ready for a winner um the the teaching skills piece of it i look at a lot like the learning environment and that's a multifaceted thing it's not just where you're standing it's um you know the, your delivery um your word choice um because as an emotional environment that's part of the learning environment as well and um you know our customers um they come to us with their ideas and their mannerisms and their motivations and we really have to learn what those are by just some easy questioning and then listening and then picking the uh, and, and managing both the emotional and physical environment so that learning can occur and that's that's sort of how i think about the the teaching skill piece of it um i i would say one of my thoughts about the technical skills or you know how well you ski or ride and and how good you are at watching movements and so forth and analyzing that if you can do that almost automatically that allows you to do the teaching skills and the people skills with greater attention and greater freedom and um so like for uh newer staff members it's really important that they uh begin to get a good handle on the technical skills so they can focus on who who is in front of them we used to talk about the what the why the how and the who and you know the what the why and the how is all driven by who is in front of you mm -hmm. I've said on this podcast before when I was teaching 
in the high school. I didn't even realize there were kids in the room for about the first four years because I was so concerned about content. I was so right. concerned about the technical parts of the biology that I had to teach. I didn't have the bandwidth to consider, you know, to spend a lot of time thinking about individual student motivations and and how how am I going to teach, you know, structure this lesson from a teaching standpoint. It was all about trying to me memorize like, you know, the Krebs cycle and cellular respiration. And I, I think that's true no matter what you're teaching. I, I totally agree that, you know, that you have to get a handle on the, on the content. But I, I like the attention we're drawing to the teaching and the people now. The folks getting into this from the get-go, like, you know, this is their first or second year. If they decide to become involved with PSI ASI, like, their ground, their uh, their baseline is going to be all all the sets of standards, not just yeah. the technical. And I think you know, you look ahead twenty years. I think that just that fact alone is is really going to change the way um, snow sports instruction happens in the United States moving forward. I think we're at the beginning of a of a real steep improvement curve. Yeah, well, I, I agree. Hope. Yeah. I mean, I. I like, you know, you said the word bandwidth and it just keyed off something in my mind. It, it, it's that to do this job of snow sports coaching well, you got to have a really wide bandwidth because you have to pick the learning environment, pay attention to the safety, um, develop a relationship with people, have the technical skills and the ability to show it. It's just so much. It's It's just so much more than passing donuts out the window. <laughs> so when it comes to good teaching pete when what makes who is it you know and and i'm this one i'm kind of putting in the spot so you can we, we can even go back and delete it if if you don't want to answer this question but like is there a name or two or that that made you smile and you were like this is good teaching like like is there somebody you know you can go watch or somebody on our staff on the national team like who is it and what do they do in the coaching that you go, wow, that's good? So um, certainly I've been really fortunate and, and maybe he's like that with everybody, but uh, Mike Rogan has been really nice to me over the years and I've had a chance to ski with him in a national academy and had, he's had, let me watch the national team and he's talked to me about this and that. And um, that's just been great. And uh, watching him coach, is good you know he, he he'll he's he's cheerful and he'll tell you just enough and it's usually insightful and and he's just a a, a beautiful model to watch and uh and he's he's good enough that you just want to bang your head against the wall every now and then go why can't why can't i do that <laughs> yes i i completely understand that feeling that's cool and and ski wise not necessarily who but what what is it when you watch skiing and I'm, this is pete howard this doesn't have to be pete howard the fundamental what makes you smile when you when you watch skiing what is good skiing to you they go wow that was awesome so, um you know i i um uh, it's a little hard for me to say because it's there's a lot of things that um I, I love the athleticism that some people show me the way they can uh, just basically use the, the 
the energy out of one turn to just send it to the next one, you know. And some people might say, oh, the pressure management's a little a little off or too extreme, but but when you can do that, um, that's great. And then in another case, I really admire skiers, and Mike would be one that's mm. just super accurate all the time. You know, there's nothing out of place. It works great and nothing seems to stop it it's, yeah. it's wonderful and then yeah. the last thing that i like to see is people who have touch people who can do sort of odd things on the snow and joe wood was one of those guys mm -hmm. he would slide up to you at about two miles an hour and stand on one foot and just slowly rotate around till he was facing you <laughs> i didn't do that yeah and, you know if you looked really carefully there was a slight convex bump under right under the foot that he used to, to turn around <laughs> but um uh, mike porter is another guy that he just sort of floats out of a turn and into the next turn and it's beautiful to watch you know yeah. so uh the energy the accuracy and the touch right yeah. and that's that's beautiful to see and, and yeah. yeah that's cool and, and you talked a little bit about during the podcast here of pete palmer and mentioned joe wood and i know um you had a lot of connection and, and were there a long time with woody woodward and even uh otto that i didn't get to you know who else was influences on you well um jimmy ackerson mm -hmm. not too many people remember jimmy he went on to be he was actually the director of Portillo, Chile before Mike Rogan. And he now lives in Chile. And he was on the Eastern Head staff quite a long time ago. And uh, he was a guy who was a beautiful skier, very accurate. And I, I admired admired him, very professional. Yeah. yeah. And Michael talked, I think, quite a bit in a couple of the podcasts about Jimmy Ackerson when we had Michael on. And uh, yeah. So I got to meet him sometime. We might have to have him on the podcast at some point, Angela. We'll have to reach out. We ought but, to do um, that live from Portillo. We got to go international, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. So um, how about Woody Woodward? You know, I mentioned Woody. I, I had over 20 years working with right. Woody at Adatash. Just amazing. God, did he love to beat on me in such in a good way, in a very good way. But he'd come down for a little pie and coffee down here at the house every fall. We'd chat before we headed back. But um what were some of your experiences with Woody? Well, um, you you know Woody better than I do. We spent more more time with him. You know, um, my experience with Woody was mostly that he knew little details about certain mm -hmm. things that nobody else said and nobody else saw, and, <laughs> and I thought that was was pretty neat. You know, and he he knew stuff about um people who are learning to ski and where their where their turning came from and um those kind of things yeah he was uh, he was amazing well, that's one of the, that's yeah, one of the things i think that to a degree we've lost a little bit in our organization um you know where turning comes from yeah. um you know we all talk about um you know turning the lower body more so than the upper body um 
but there's way more to it than that. Uh, and it's and it's nuanced and it's mixed. And I see the turning force as the engine that drives a skier. And uh, you know, I know from teaching private lessons sometimes when you pull the engine and you don't have enough time to put it back in. <laughs> <laughs> learning yeah. didn't occur confusion That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so so you've had the, the pleasure of um of scoring many of our tryouts here for ed staff and for eastern team uh those that want to go out and try out for the national team you scored the national team tryout um i had to be there and yuck it up and mess it up in front of you myself when you were scoring the national team tryout and uh so it's like, oh God, Pete's going, Pete's going in the East. Now he's out here. I'm going to really embarrass myself. But um, we, we've got an Eastern team tryout this winter. It's coming up in March, uh, I believe the 15th, 16th at Killington of March for our Eastern team to pick our team to go for the next national team tryout. What's um, what's some advice from the trainer, the, the experience from Pete, the scorer for those that should start who are thinking about it and want to go for the Eastern team tryout? Well, um, I think that whoever goes needs to go to ski at a big ski area for quite a while if they haven't done that on a regular basis, uh, because there's going to come a time where um, it's going to be difficult conditions and you don't have to, I mean, you can survive it, but you're not going to make the team survive it. You got to own it. You got to make it look like you own it. And uh, that's hard unless you spend time in those places. And uh, I really admire the guys and gals from the East that have gone out West because uh, I know from my experience, it's hard when there are no trees around. Uh, maybe the light's a little weird. The snow's not normally what you ski on and you can't really tell how far the run is or how fast you're going until your run is over. And then you go, nah. I should have done that different. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, so my my last question, Pete, for the podcast for you, and I know Angelo always has something because he he deserves to ask some smart things at the end after I screw it all up. Is um, what are you looking forward to this winter? Is it you know? Is it the sharing? Is it the teaching? The skiing? Um, is it the cold feet? I know you have those big boot muffs that you wear, those blue ones that come from skiing up at Sugarloaf. And, and but I mean, what is it, Pete Howard? Right now is like anxious that little because I know that little six eight year old kids in there thinking about getting um, on snow and. I mean, I I like the cut up windblown stuff, you know, that you yeah. can kind of get into, but kind of stay on top of with a few bumps thrown in there to keep you honest. And uh, I like spring corn snow bumps uh, on a late March afternoon. Uh, I like the, you know, Sugarloaf, they used to call it the Indianapolis of the East and Powder yeah. Magazine because we have the only FIS downhill in the East there. And on a January day when nobody's around and the machines have been out, you can go 65 miles an hour there without anybody batting an eye. And that's fun sometimes. And uh, uh, the other thing I like, you know, is driving back from Pro Jam on a winter night to see the Christmas lights on my way home. Yeah. And that's that's cool too. So cool. All right. yeah. um, Angela, what do you have for Pete? I, I wish I had something impressive. 
Dom, just I'm curious about the the see your skis behind you, Pete. Mm. Wanna yeah. um, tell folks why you chose that those skis? Because <laughs> you know, I think sometimes people choose their equipment based on what somebody else picked. But yeah, you know, I, I I don't suspect you ever do that. So if you don't mind talking about what what you've got yeah, there so, and why you picked them, right? So one of them is like a. 189 uh, no, no 179 um basically a gs ski um and i picked that for those days when there's corduroy and nobody's around and i can go right along and, and i also like actually believe it or not i like narrow skis and in most conditions um they're a little easier on my knees the tips don't get deflected all around they slice through stuff instead of bouncing around but then the other pair um, are a hundred underfoot and they're pretty short and uh, they're for banging around in the trees. So I, I've got the polar opposites there. And uh, I have a couple left over from last year that I'll probably run at the beginning of the year and we'll see what the snow conditions are. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I hope you get enough conditions to ski them all this year. Me too. You too. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, I got. I want to thank you for coming on with us. It's um, a pleasure. Um, appreciate your time and uh, here for the podcast tonight. But I'd also like to just thank you for all the support and training and coaching and 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 I hope it doesn't stop because I have a lot more to learn. I know, man. All I have to do is listen to Pete and listen to many others, Dave Warren and Murmur and Terry and Jeb and and just the crew we get to learn from. And uh, so I, I hope that uh, I can still keep picking your brain because it, it's awesome the experience and the knowledge base and and the the giving nature you have to share it um is is really cool and i appreciate that and i, I thank you you guys are great too and uh I, you know all of the ed staff that's putting their time in and working their way up and they know a whole lot too so uh, i i don't consider myself any any much different anyway yeah. so thank you you guys it's a great show yeah. I've, I've enjoyed watching some of them looking forward cool. to seeing you soon pete about a, yeah 10, no. 10, 10 days or so right 10 well, days yeah. and we finally get to hang out you i'm looking forward to that seeing everybody skiing a little coaching a little ma more rock and roll so um pete howard thank you so much uh thanks everybody out there for listening it's always a pleasure my buddy angelo love doing these with you and uh this has been the fall line with chaos and company